Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And over the weekend, I saw it, DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and then belonging. So we are adding another letter, which is very interesting. It's been in the news so much lately. Of course, we, you know, in relation to the firings of, or excuse me, the resignations of of Claudine Gay, Mm -hmm. the president of Harvard, of Liz McGill over at UPenn. People are questioning what is happening uh, on DEI with DEI on campuses. And Adam, I don't know about you, but I felt like really clueless about DEI. We've been hearing this buzzword or acronym DEI for so many years, but I thought to myself, I don't really know what DEI is and, and how it functions either on campuses or in in corporate America. We don't have, do we have DEI at WCCO radio? <laughs> You're asking the wrong we have guy. Yeah. Policies at WCCO radio. Well, anyway, because of course we don't know anything, we asked an expert and Joelle Allen is the CEO of interaction traction. She has been working in this space before it became popular before, you know, the murder of George Floyd and before it was, like I said, sort of the, the buzzword. So Joelle, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. And thank you in advance for answering our dumb questions. <laughs> no dumb questions, and thanks for having me. Well, let's give a little introduction to the audience. You run a company called Interaction Traction. How do you? Um, how are you involved in DEI, and what makes you an expert, so to speak, in this space? Yeah. So, um, well, a couple of things. First, I'll give you one more letter to that acronym. And oh. so it's really become D-E-I-A-B, which is Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Access, and Belonging. And we'll talk a little bit about that um, later. But as you mentioned, I've been doing this um, for almost 30 years, right? And so long before it became um, the thing to do, we have been helping organizations really develop better leaders. Right. And so we do so by kind of using solid and inclusive leadership practices, helping companies to examine systems and practices that inadvertently kind of underutilize or under leverage some of their talent um, by helping them look at how they're investing in cultures of inclusion and then by helping them engage and communicate with increasingly diverse audiences, both internally and externally. And then finally, by analyzing their existing workforce and helping them make sure that they have the right talent in the right places that they'll need for the future. Joelle, the reason, as Jordana mentioned, the reason we're talking about this is because so many people now are pushing back on DEI. And we, we even get, we're getting texts here where people say, well, it's reverse racism. Why is that a misguided argument? Lost her. Lost her. Oh, we lost her, apparently. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, we'll try to pick oh, no. that up. But. 
That, yeah, uh, I think that is an excellent question, Adam, because we've been hearing that DEI is like a, a bad word mm-hmm. or a, a negative term. But when you say diversity, equity, inclusion, I think we all want that. We all know that diversity, equity, inclusion is better for the bottom line of companies. I think that has been proven time and time again. When you have different voices at the table, you address different issues mm-hmm. and you probably run your business more efficiently and effectively and reach larger audiences. But yet... You, you point out with the texters that it's well, negative. It's, well, I mean, the, 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 it's the balance of the argument, and I think we're getting Joel back on the line here, and I don't know how much mm-hmm, of the, yes. the question she heard of mine, but I think the balance we're talking about is whether or not you're – well, I think we get – do we have Joel back here? Sorry mm-hmm. about that. Joel, yeah, thanks. So we lost you. Did you hear my question, or do you, do you need me to repeat it? I'm, I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Um, please repeat it. I just think the reason, as Jordana pointed out, why we're talking to you, so many people now, I guess, are we're hearing is, you know, obviously political arguments are making this such, but you hear people saying, well, DEI is just reverse racism. We've got texters saying that right now. I, I would imagine you argue that's a misguided argument. If so, why? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, a couple of things. First of all, there's no such thing quote unquote, is reverse racism. Racism is racism. If you are making decisions for any race um, based on or making decisions based on race, no matter what race that is, it's just racism. Right. So no, Mm -hmm. no reverse about it. But the other part of it is that, um, you know, there's this quote that says when you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Right. And I think that it's an important one because there are three things at play here. Number one, we misinterpret the word privilege to mean that we had it easy. Right. Most of us had to work really hard for what we have. So that doesn't feel good to us. But what we fail to see with privilege is that for some of us, doors are unlocked because of status we hold. Right. Be it race or education, wealth, connections, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. And we still have to push that door open. But they're not additional hurdles to jump through because of race or some other identity that doesn't feel as mainstream. And so once we've made a high quality contribution, we can typically rely upon being rewarded for our efforts over time. Um, and for some of us, this is not the case. The other thing was privilege, and it kind of gets to your question about why the pushback, why some people are saying it's racist, is that that privilege can sometimes warp what equality feels like. So in other words, privilege seems like equality to the privileged, especially when there's been some level of effort um, involved, right? All of us have to work for what we have. Um, and because of, because of this, real equity can make everybody feel a little uncomfortable and off balance or some people mm-hmm. uncomfortable and off balance. And then finally, we have learned over time through everything that we do, our families, media, what we've learned, education, that the world works in a particular way. And as human beings, we are often resistant to change, right? We all want change, but, you know, you first, right? (laughs) And so unconsciously, right, unconsciously and sometimes consciously, um, kind of to disparage this work is really an attempt to protect the status quo, Whereas the reality is, if you're doing it correctly, real equity, it's not racist or sexist or anything else, it's about every single person getting a turn at bat. And for some people who are used to getting that turn more frequently, this can be an adjustment. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Mm. Okay, so who is DEI benefiting the most? And are there losers in DEI? I imagine the answer to that would be whoever is privileged, but no one ever thinks that they're privileged. Yeah. So first of all, we are all privileged in some way, right? And then we lack privilege in other ways. And so, you know, I happen to have privilege as it relates to having a great education, having a family that is um, intact and supportive, right? All of these things are privilege. Doesn't mean I still, you know, I didn't have to work, but those are privileges that I hold. So we all have some form of privilege. Um, so that's the first thing. But it is good for everyone because it helps us think more holistically about the broad range of skills and talents. Um, that we have in our midst, and it helps us then assess more accurately how we leverage those tact or those talents for the future. And so studies have shown that more diverse groups are more innovative, they're more creative, and they're more profitable when done right. And so when we get more inputs on how to solve problems, more and better solutions emerge. And so this is a win for everyone when we're doing it correctly. We're talking to Joel Allen, CEO of Interaction Traction, and I, and you nailed it too, Joel. I think there's this misconception somehow that that you still like the the people that because you're promoting diversity and ensuring a diverse workforce, you're somehow taking people who are not qualified. And that's just not the case. It's you still absolutely have to have the qualifications mm-hmm. uh, in whatever positions you're taking. That's right. That's exactly right. Some yeah, people are texting are in. Taking, oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say this. You know, some people are texting in. How about just, you know, get into college or get get a job based on merit? What do you say to that argument? Because I, I don't hear you saying that DEI candidates are unqualified. But, you know, we're getting texts that say, oh, I lost out a job to a black person. You know, what do you say to people who bring up these kind of arguments? Yeah. So here's what I will say. If in your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, you are hiring unqualified people, then you are doing both hiring and DEI wrong. So let's be very clear about that. The other thing is that I think that it is a huge assumption to say that you lost, that people lost out on anything because of someone else. If someone else met the qualifications and they um, were better for that job at that time, then they were the better candidate. And as you know, somebody who recruits pretty often, um, there's a whole series of skills that recruiters are looking for at a particular given time for a company. Um, race is just one of those aspects, but it isn't the deciding factor. So I would push back on that. I think there's an assumption that, um, that you missed out because of race. And sometimes we just have to hold that somebody else was better for that particular job at that particular time. 
well, how well do companies here in the Twin Cities uh, address this issue? And do more companies? Uh, are there enough companies that have that 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 consider this and make it part of their, I guess, company culture, for lack of a better term? Yeah. I think most organizations are trying to address this in some way, right? Some doing better than others. But I think that if, um, I think they have to continue to push because it is natural to get some pushback when people have felt like, hey, I've always had all of these opportunities, all these turns at bats and bat, and all of a sudden I'm not getting them. And it can appear that others are, quote unquote, taking that away. Um, but that's not the case. And I think if we can develop cultures where transparently people see that, hey, everybody's getting a shot, right? Um, what we know is that A players want to be with A players. And they like the diversity because they know that if they come out on top, they truly were the best at what they do, right? And it makes people better. So I think they're doing it. I think they need to do more of it. Um, and we have to also expand diversity to be more than just black and white, right? This is about everything. It's about disability. It's about orientation. It's about identity, right? It's about religion. It's about all of the stuff that makes us incredible human beings. Joelle, and we only have about a minute left, but why do you think DEI is getting this bad rap? And also share what you think is being most misconstrued about it. Because all the things you're saying, I'm like, yeah, that all sounds great. But there is such backlash against DEI in this country. In Florida, we're removing it from government you know, bodies, from, from universities. Uh, why is it getting such a bad rap? Yeah. It goes back to that quote, right, where if we're so used to privilege, if we're so used to getting our way, then equality feels like oppression. And I think for the most part, this is unconscious. It's what we've learned um, in terms of how the world works. And we don't want that, right? If you have privilege, you don't want to lose it. Some of it's just competitive forces. Mm -hmm. But the demographics of our country are changing um, within every demographic we are hearing, especially our younger folks, say, hey, we want to be part of a fully inclusive, diverse world. And so this is happening. And so to push back is only going to delay the inevitable. We want a world that's just and that is inclusive, where every single person gets a shot and nobody gets the upper hand based on the color of their skin or who they love or any of those things, right? It should be truly based on merit. Joelle, tough conversation, but thank you so much mm, for joining us you. today to have this. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Joelle. Take care. Thanks, Joelle. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.